Good morning, welcome back to The Space Between with Sean McClellan, your humble host and Void Specialist. I have a special guest with me for you guys today. My friend Chris Stereo is back from the UK, the Olive Man. He's been coming to Charlotte, North Carolina now for about two decades and had a little hiatus when COVID hit. He was unable to travel, so he didn't come here for about four years, but he is back this week, and I'm so happy to see him and reconnect. He took a trip to Crowder's Mountain the other day, the greatest time, the greatest hike, talked about all things music. You know, trauma, mental health, uh, dopamine, all sorts of just crazy conversations we have. Chris is a smart cat, and I'm so glad he's here from the from the Isle of Man, UK, like I said before. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, great to be here again. Um, love coming to the Carolinas, and it's great to see Sean and all the crew, so it's great. Awesome, awesome. So, Chris, I want to touch base on something we've been talking about a lot the last couple of days uh, in regards to dopamine, uh, chasing dopamine, and sometimes the trauma and mental illness that is associated with those things and particularly in regards to music and all other pretty much areas of life that can pretty much prohibit us from kind of being the best version of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it. It's a journey we're all on. Uh, last few years, particularly, has sort of shown us what can happen with the lockdowns and the pandemic and all these things going on and just trying to sort of reframe how the world works. Um, and it's, it's been a journey for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, hopefully we're making some progress in that, in, in that sort of regard. But it's, it, we've got a long way to go, I think. Yeah, I agree, Chris. And I think there's a there's something there. We, we were just talking about this earlier in the car today about like runners, like they're running. Like, what are they want, running away from? Like, I think we always try to figure out um, life as it is. But but we're all essentially have something about our life that we're not really um, comfortable sharing with other people, almost like a shadow life, a shadow self that we kind of try to mask and and hide from other people to not let them see us in our most vulnerable states, um, kind of suppressing uh, things that have maybe happened to us in the in the past, and you know, me myself personally, I, I've had a lot of issues with that. Trying to fill that void with something. How do you see that going on right now? Even like in the Isle of Man, where you are, versus what's going on in America today. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot of stress around. Um, the last sort of few years have been traumatic for so many people. People have lost family members. People have got like illnesses that were like maybe not a big deal, but then they've got worse because the medical care wasn't there because of hospitals shut down and all the rest of it. So we're on this big journey and everybody's sort of realizing now, I think, well, many people are that this, your actions are a result of things that have happened to you. I mean, you don't want to be stuck in the past or sort of replay the past too much, but things especially that happened to you in your childhood, which you never really quite understood. And then you're looking at it now and looking at why you know, how families break up and things that happen to people and when they get to you know, an adulthood, what choices they make. And some people seem to make certain choices and and the society sort of set up so that, that those kind of things can be kind of taken advantage of, um, particularly looking at something like, for example, at the moment, um, the, the sort of food companies. that The thing was that like when the tobacco companies years ago realized they were going to get regulated, they bought the food companies. So now we're getting all these foods, which taste really nice, but just full of really sort of, unnatural substances and things like that which give us like a short-term high and because we have to eat then then we're sort of trapped a bit there and then we end up before you know it there's a like a pandemic of people being obese or or things like that so it's just seeing the outside world and how things have happened to us can affect our sort of behaviors and people obviously i'm i'm big into sport myself into exercise 
you know, I played several different sports, some, some to a reasonably high level, and I still coach sports now. I do uh, coach sports or take sports lessons as part of my job. And it's it's good to have that kind of involvement to try and help people. But it's when it becomes like an obsession or an addiction to the point where you get your, you hurt yourself or things like that. And then you sort of realize what, what, what are you chasing? Why are you doing it? And then it's trying to look to your experiences and then go, well, maybe that's why. And can I make a safer choice? But it's hard because the stress is going to be there unless you have proper counseling or you do something physically that maybe makes you feel a little bit better, which is safe, but not that sort of addictive. So we're in a tough spot. And, you know, the internet has sort of fast forwarded a lot of these debates because you just see so much information. You go, well, there's a trend there. I mean, I was saying to Sean about people who are in Hollywood or into the music industry or, or things like that, where a lot of these actresses and actors have basically, you look at their Wikipedia page and they, they say how the family's situation for them when they were little was very dysfunctional. Maybe the, the parents split up, they end up the other side of the, 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 the country or whatever, and they have this, this need to express themselves, to feel like they have to do things, to feel good about themselves. And that's when they got into acting, which it's good. They're expressing themselves, but it's there's only so many people who can make the big money. In the meantime, there's lots of people who are, are doing these things, but they're maybe not quite getting where they need to be and they never feel fulfilled and they're going to get taken advantage of. So it's, you know, everybody's on a massive journey, but I think that the solutions, a lot of it is understanding it, that everybody goes through these things, compassion for other people and just love and trying to tap into your inner soul to go, right, what's the right thing to do here and being grateful as well for just basic things. But it's very hard when the world says, oh, you must smash it out of the park and, and you do get to the top. Otherwise, you're not really worth much. I mean, America is an example of that. And also males like, you know, the crisis within males, you know, saying that oh the reason why they're so restless is because they feel like they have to achieve so much and a lot of them have not got their sort of father figure around them and um, you know when the family splits up normally it's the the woman looks after the kids and then the, the dad's not around and that's really hard for for both like the daughter and the son but the son possibly more because that that's their role model and they haven't got it and Chris, I mean, I, I agree with all that stuff, man. It's fascinating to me, the more I dive into personal development and um, just environment in general, how much it affects like all of our behavior. And you, you mentioned something to me recently also about uh, in regards to behavior for like homo sapiens, like the, the inner chimp. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the religion and like different Buddhist stuff and like mindset and God. I mean, we, we, talk, we have great conversations. Can you give me like a little bit of background about the inner chimp like what where did that come from where did you hear that philosophy at and kind of maybe give our listeners a little bit more on that please yeah yeah there's a book called the chimp paradox i'm, I'm not quite sure who wrote it but i mean it's i've discussed it with with my brother and also it's come up at the at work at the high school i work in and the headmaster did a presentation about it or an assembly about it and basically it's sort of that thing where for whatever reason you're giving into your animal instinct maybe you're shouting out when you do need to in lessons maybe you're pushing into somebody else or maybe you're, you're just saying the first thing that comes into your head is like your animal part of your brain you think it's the amygdala part of your brain basically makes you do certain things so it's trying not to sort of react to that and sort of go like observe yourself like be, be the observer of yourself or of your instincts to go well why am i going to go and do that is that the right thing to do and then after a while, like reviewing it, can you change your behavior? And unfortunately, the more stress people have been put under um, due to various reasons, the more like that inner chimp, like the inner chimp's going to come out. So, you know, for example, like, I don't know, a 13, 14-year-old uh, boy or whatever who doesn't see his dad, and then he feels a bit disenfranchised with the world, and he's in class, and he doesn't quite understand it. And then he just starts playing out in the class, starts shouting out, starts being awkward, maybe going on his phone when he doesn't need to go on his phone. And he's playing out that, that kind of inner chimp because he – He's desperate to do well, but he, he just can't quite control it. 
And it's like, can we give people like the tools to 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 realize how to to sort of manage the chimp better so they don't end up getting themselves in big trouble and they end up if they can control it then therefore they're, they're going to get where they need to get and they're going to achieve things and they're not going to be a nuisance and they'll be able to pass exams and give themselves more options when they're older but in the meantime they're becoming a nuisance they, they'll ruin lessons and things like that and it's just becoming hard for everybody and especially if you're having to to to, 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 to teach a lesson you're trying to teach a lesson and these skin kids just can't control their chimps and it's becoming a real issue and it's also upsetting the mental health of some of the quieter kids who are getting on with the work despite having issues themselves and they just have to put up with that chip. But really everybody needs compassion towards those kind of people or children. But then sometimes they might have to be taken out of certain environments to maybe help them because, and then put them back in. But at the moment, a lot of the time in various walks of life, you're just thrown in there and then it's a sink or swim and then you might get yourself in trouble. And really you're compromised as a person. You don't realize it. And you, you, it's not the true you that, that's coming out. And and that's the thing with the, with the inner chimp is like, can we control it? And it's all for all of us. It's for Sean. It's for me. It's for everybody has that. Um, can we control it? And sometimes the more things go well, the harder it is to control it because then as well, you think that you've got it made and you can do what you like, which is not. You've got to keep it humble at all times, respectful and, and you know, be appreciative of basics. But the world doesn't allow you to do that. Yeah, you know, the world doesn't allow us to do that, Chris. And I have a saying on this show, and I've heard this before, many people like, who were you? before the world told you who to be. And I know for me personally, I had a big identity crisis when I kind of realized that, you know, me making music and being a producer and a DJ and all those things that went along with my musical career, it wasn't who I was. That's when I really started kind of having a struggle with like, well, who am I as a person? Um, you know, I think social media um, inflates a lot of people's ego uh, for different reasons. And maybe uh, maybe touch base on your, your thoughts on social media and how it's kind of uh, maybe not really plagued the music industry or just, are for for the culture what it's done through our mental health and uh, and things like that. Yeah, sure. I mean, the way it is now with all the the social media and all the websites and everything. As an artist, you you can have have had so much exposure, or people have heard of you, or anything like that. But when it comes down to it, is that to give you something meaningful, it doesn't really give you that. I mean, like I've always loved music. Sean's loved music, and we want to express ourselves through through music. But also, you do need to be able to pay the bills and be able to sustain some sort of functional lifestyle. But unfortunately, the music industry, the way that money is paid out, that that is very difficult to do. And with the with social media and all these things going on, that can sort of mess with your ego even more than it has done in the past. You're like, oh, I'm getting all this attention. But when it comes down to it, it's not going to come back to anything that's going to give you the monetization that's going to mean that you can pursue it like more full time. I mean, it's a bit of a paradox, I suppose, because you're not doing it for the, for the money. But then at the end of the day, you, you've got to spend time on something. And that's when you sort of realize that maybe it's a bit of an addiction that's sort of dragging you in the wrong, in a, in a sort of, not say a wrong direction, but a different direction. You know, why do, why do you like music? It's like, for, for example, for me, it makes me feel really good. I, I love being creative with it. But why is that? Why does it make me feel good? Why is like, I'm on the dance floor, I'm DJing. Why do I get the, the buzz of it? Why do I feel like, oh, I feel great because I played a record and somebody like, looking at me and say this is amazing and it may be you're chasing like we told you chasing dopamine you're chasing something you know a sort of validation of who you are through that and it's nice in a way but then you realize it's a little bit of a trap um especially within like music it seems to me and maybe some of the entertainment industry within sports it seems to be better because it's more structured there seems to be a better way of a more structured way of developing talent and and people do get financially rewarded for it maybe because of the audience and the, the the prestige of it but there are still like lots of people who play sport for fun and in some places like where i live people 
in the Isle of Man, there's no way of actually being a professional sports person on the Isle of Man. You have to go somewhere else. So it's a bit of a paradox. You could you could spend so much time on it, but you'd have to go and move away to go and make the next step. So it's something with this whole thing, it puts you on a journey of like, why am I like, why do I like so for me? I've been the big thing with me is sport and music. Why do I like that so much? And is it is it obviously I like the, the process of doing it, but it also is it something that's happened to me when I was younger, my parents divorced, my, my mother's always struggled a lot with her mental health. And and there was a lot of kind of dysfunction, you know, things going on at home and all the rest of it. And it has that sort of disturbed me to the point where I feel like I'm always chasing something and only realize this kind of stuff now. And and but after having had a, quite a few years of maybe being self-employed and doing my own thing, but the, the way it is now, I work in a high school full time and then I have other bits I do as well. But it's always that inner chimp. Is that telling you to go and go off and do your own thing? Or is it say, right, for me, the community where I live in the south of the Alman, I've done lots of things. I've worked in every school. I've coached for loads of different sports clubs. I've played for sports clubs. I've done music events in that area. My family was from that from that area. I went to school in that area, and and it's like that's the community I'm trying to contribute to. And it's it's sometimes you go backwards and forwards. And think maybe I'll be better off somewhere else, but then it, it might benefit me more and be better for my mental health. But in the meantime, you think right, you have to commit to a, a community, and you're trying to help a community. So. It's a difficult backwards and forwards, you know, for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it is difficult for everybody. I want to touch base on something you said, because I think that there's no family in the world that doesn't have dysfunction in it. So for me, I realized what my dysfunction was and, and I started working on those things. And for you, um, you know, you said before you had a lot of mental health implication with your mother and, you know, things happened with your family. How did that impact you at the time when you were kids now that you're older and can see it? Uh, what do you think that has done for you in regards to making you aware of your own mental health? And like, how are you like um, going about protecting yourself to make sure that something doesn't ha- like that happen to you and your family now that you're a father or two? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's been tough. I mean, I think um, I was lucky in, in some regards. I've got to say I was lucky. I'm like we're financially stable and we're living in the Isle of Man, which which for a child was quite good. I mean, there's not like there's some opportunities, but not loads in certain areas. But for a child to be brought up there and then we lived in the middle of the countryside. Um, and so whenever there's, there's problems at home where people are just, parents are shouting at each other or whatever, uh, I would just go. We had a big field and we just go out and play football. And that may be one of the reasons why I was so into sport. We sometimes put some music on as well. And that was sort of my way of kind of um, like medicating myself, I suppose, in a, in a, in a way um, to try and relieve stress. And I always sort of realised probably a bit of sport. I, I had you know, some talent for it maybe, but I was also, I mean, I'm not really believed that much. So I do in town a little bit, but I'm more about attitude and how much you want it and how committed you are into what you're doing. And that's the that's the most important thing. And obviously the, the things that happened to me obviously triggered off some of the choices I've made in the last sort of 20 or 30 years. And then only in the last few years, really, I've done lots of courses in mental health. Like in, when we we're in lockdowns, I was doing courses online to do with mental health and how and how that all works. So I've done a mental health first aid course. I've done a course about trauma uh, through Gabo Mate, a compassionate inquiry course, and how open, open eyes really wide to why we do what we do and how so many people are really struggling out there, even the ones who look like they've got everything. Because the, if you have a certain background or you're in a certain part of the world, there comes expectations. So, for example, if you're living in Ukraine now, and obviously they're in the middle of a horrible war, if you moved out to America and you were, had just a normal job in America, maybe working in a Walmart or just the standard job, that would be seen to be a success. 
Whereas if you were, say, born into a, a rich family, say, in Charlotte or wherever, North Carolina or wherever it is, and you were expected to then have to get a certain job, then that, then although you've been given, like, lots of things to be grateful for, maybe a, a stable family, but if that expectation comes, that comes with stress and the fact that at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be at peace. That's my opinion. That, you know, everybody wants to be at peace. Everybody wants to be loved and, and everybody wants to just enjoy their life. But if you're under so much pressure that if you don't reach the top of the top of the tree and then that, that means that you, if you don't get to the top of the tree, you're not, you're not worth anything, that's a real stress. So it doesn't matter whether you've got a high level of intelligence, you've got like, you know, lots of money or you're from a, like a, a safe place in the world. If that expectation is placed on you, it's going to be hard. And that's especially being placed on males everywhere. And that's why, unfortunately, it's very sad. Like the male suicide rate is like very like high, it's higher than women. And also a certain like, normally it's around sort of thir- mid, late 30s mid to, to mid 40s, where probably a lot of people realize and like, what have I done with my life? Like, what have I done? And if you suddenly realize that you haven't done something that you thought you should have done, or that's not met the expectations of everybody else, you're going to be in a dark place. And that's happened to a lot of people. And people don't really sort of talk about that. And, you know, it's, it's hard because it's a big taboo subject, but people are struggling. Like, even if you think you look like you've got everything, if you're under pressure or you've like got abusive member of your family or something like that's gone on or maybe at work you've got a, a boss who's just but not very nice but they're probably not very nice because they've been through something themselves and they've not completed the circle to go why am i doing this so i mean for me the the, the pandemic was a massive opportunity everybody just look themselves in the eye and go who actually am i because before that you were just running around in circles going to job doing this job doing this hobby doing this da, 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 da. but when you go that lockdown came in it's like i'm gonna have to look at myself and that was scary for people and it was scary but the same way, that was the only way some people, any way you're going to evolve as a person or as a spirit or whatever to see that, like, this is tough and, like, going to learn the lessons, but it's hard because you don't want to because it's hard to face up to things because that is very tough and it takes a lot of courage, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with all that, Chris. I mean, it's funny. I want to touch on something real quick. You said about expectation of other people. Um, I think for for me, um, you know, expectation, you know, they have an odd adage saying expectation is a root of all heartache. Like if you don't expect something to happen then you're not going to ever be let down. But I mean, if you're living your life uh, based upon what other people think you should live your life like, I mean, th- to me, that's not a way to live. I mean, to, to me, I want to live my life for God. I want to make sure that I'm living my life for my kids and my parents and my family and my, my inner circle. Uh, I don't want to live my life based on the expectation of what other people think, because um, I don't really care about that anymore these days. You know, I used to be really concerned about what other people thought about me, like what I was doing with my life. Do they care? Are they concerned? And, and honestly, most people aren't concerned because they're too worried about themselves. Uh, so expectation to me is a is a funny thing because we put so much emphasis on something identity to be validated for something. Like you say, I mean, you touch base upon you going outside to play football when things were kind of getting sketchy in your household with your, your parents arguing you didn't realize it at the time, but you were escaping. And that escape is, is now something that you are connected to that you're really, really good at because I think it, in your mind possibly is taking you out of that element to where you remember those bad times happening. You're, you're replacing it with something that yeah. is positive for you that gives you a benefit of, of being healthy and coaching and teaching and something that you've kind of poured yourself into so you can actually pour that into other people, which I think it's so amazing. So, you, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, do you, you work with special needs kids, man. I mean, that is, that's special in itself. Um, and then you have two kids of your own to, to kind of manhandle when you get them as it may like me. And uh, sure. it's, it's gotta be difficult to shifting gears from like yeah. you know, kids who really need help and then coming home and not maybe projecting that onto your kids 
um, in your own situation. So that's, that's, um, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Sometimes you don't give yourself enough credit. I mean, it's just to clarify that I, I um, my job's changed slightly recently. So I, I, but I spent quite a number of years working with children with additional needs for me as well, that, that it's just, sometimes we're just labeling these kids. Like that they, they just don't fit the mold that we, we, we decide we have in education. There's like, you know, everybody places so much importance on English and mass, but like what's wrong with like woodwork or art or drama or sports, like they're all val valuable in an equal measure. And some people you can't, you can't ask a fish to climb a tree. Like some people have just got <laughs> skills in some areas and like the English language in general is an absolute disaster. There's so many contradictions. Like in Italy, there's no dyslexia because basically the language is phonetic. So it makes sense. English doesn't make sense. Half of words are not spelled how they sound. And then sometimes there's words that mean the same thing. Like it means something different. And it's like the word subject can mean three different things. Like it's ridiculous. So we're not really helping children, especially maybe boys who want to get, be out and about building things. You know, maybe they'd be good in like working in agriculture, whatever. We made them sit, and, sit in a classroom and then do maths. I mean, like, and some of the maths is practical, but some is not practical at all. And you'll never, I mean, kids go to me, I'm not going to use this when I get older. Well, actually, probably not. I mean, but, you know, I have to say, well, I do. It was like, well, you work in a school and you teach us. So it's like, yeah. So, I mean, my job at the moment, I like, I take some sports lessons. I take some children up to, um, uh, like a, a college, university college. Um, I, I, I cover a lot of lessons. I try to do work with kids with who have struggled with their mental health or deal of incidents to do with students, but that's become more difficult because of the pandemic. There's been so many teachers off ill, so I do a lot of cover. So I've been covering lots of lessons, but in a way it's been really difficult. But in another way, it's I think I'm maybe the best person to be, have to do that because I am on site permanently. And that I've I've coached or taught or worked with a lot of these children before in the in the sort of uh, primary schools that then feed the, the high schools and I know lots of parents so it's been really difficult few years like it's been really stressful and then um, but hopefully we're getting the other the other side of it but you don't know we've got to learn the lessons we've got to learn the lessons and we've got to move things we're like what like in, in any job like you know like what you did last year was like or. I mean, people go, well, I did five or ten, five years ago was probably relevant. The, the, the pandemic just changed the whole dynamic of everything. Like what you did probably last week could be different. You don't know what trauma somebody's been through or what family members just got ill because they didn't get the treatment you know, during COVID or all these kind of things that are going on that like you can't really go off the past. You go, right, just forget the past. Like we have to learn today, every day. How am I going to do a better job of this? How can I connect with people in a different way? I learn a lot from younger teachers than me, like, like or younger staff members than me. Like how do they connect with kids? Because they've been through the education system, like, you know, in a few years ago where I was like, I was in school like 30 years ago or the high school or whatever. And then it's like, how do they connect with them? Can they kind of like, what's my chimp doing when a kid misbehaves and my expectations of them compared to what, like I was at school. It's like, cause I go like, God, if you said that to a school when I was at school, you've probably been expelled or suspended or whatever. But now you realize what's going on. And the thing is, is that really we, we could, they do need structure and discipline, but the problem is we need more space and, and in education generally. I mean, you need more staff, but because the pay isn't great, then people won't, unless they're really, really committed to helping people. And that's what you've got to do. You can't be in it for the money. People won't probably make the choice. And unfortunately with males, like this, where, where I am, there's hardly any male primary school teachers. And then obviously not virtually none in nurseries. There's not many males in special needs. And even coming to high schools now, there's less because you realize you, you, you have to be putting your efforts into helping the children really that has to be the focus and uh, unfortunately males have not been programmed by program like well, i'm going to go and work in a job like uh, in a bank and earn like 50 60 000 pounds a year or 70 000 pounds a year it's fine because you're supporting your family i'm going to do that 
And then I'm not going to go and take a risk and take a lower paid job to work with children trying development because we're still in that era of like the alpha male era. And the more like a country is bigger or looks stronger, the more that is, that's going to be prevalent. And we can learn more from countries like Scandinavian countries who seem to have more sort of ratings higher in the um, happiness index because they, they look at that in the long term. They don't they have a reduced ego. It's about teamwork. It has to be about teamwork. You have to do things together. Nothing happens in isolation in the world or anything. You'd look like everybody affects everybody else. And especially now with the internet, everybody's seeing it. So this is it. I mean, this is a massive time to learn for everybody to try and grow. And it's really, really difficult because we've always, we've been through a lot of trauma the whole, across the whole world. I mean, they, they talk about ACEs, which is adverse childhood experiences is a course I've done. And we talk, I talk about it. And basically if I had a parent with a mental illness or a parent or a family divorce or uh, somebody passed away or some traumatic event, if you have four of those, you're more like as a child, you're more likely to behave in a certain way of addictive issues or problems with crime and things like that when you're older. So if you look at it now, you go, the world has already placed so many expectations on children. Like you were giving us all this information when they're like in this like part of their life where they're growing from like 12 to 16, they grow physically. And we're giving all this information, throwing all this information at them and expect them and they're being judged. They're in, in the middle of a, a school of like hundreds and hundreds of kids. And we expect them to get through without stress. It's like that possibly is a trauma in itself. Then we have a pandemic where we have lockdowns and then just the time where some kids at a certain age are trying to connect with each other, they can't because they're stuck in a lockdown and then people are dying from the, from the virus. So that's almost like there's an argument to say those are two traumas, two aces straight off the bat, a whole world, every child probably maybe have them. And that's, and that's just my opinion. And then obviously after that, you get the divorces, the family members with mental illness, the, the, the other traumatic events that can happen. So we're putting our kids under so much stress and the phones and social media making it even worse. And we can hardly handle it as adults. So for ask children to be able to handle that as well, we're asking a lot of them. We should be like, we should like be in awe of them really for what they're taking on. And unfortunately it's the world that, I mean, you could say who's actually made that world, like maybe the, the baby boomer generation with a, a bit sort of heavy on sort of money and and, and and sort of the glory and like careers and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to blame anybody. But th this is the world that these kids are inheriting and it's stressful and we need to really help support them. But it's tough because we're under pressure, like both parents have to work. You know, if you don't smash it in your job, job you feel like, you know, but really, and it sounds a bit corny, but and, and as, as a, like if somebody's chased probably like, the alpha male kind of thing like sport and music like love is the answer really that's the answer to it okay and as sean will probably have mentioned in his podcast god as well and you know that's not me being funny about it it's like it's just that soul inside us and we're only able to do it together like but it's hard because everybody's under so much pressure to achieve this and the other and nobody knows when to stop and just say right you've got it it's okay you're you're good you don't have to prove anything like you have nothing to prove and that's what everybody nobody's got you know nobody has to prove anything to anybody Okay, you're all amazing without it. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, you're just just generating an image. So it's just like you are amazing how you are. Yeah, we're all miracles. I believe that 100%. You said something earlier. What is it? The mind thinks, the spirit knows. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've been telling me that. I've been thinking about that a lot. But I want to touch base on something that really kind of made me start thinking about a lot of stuff in regards to my life is being a kid and like learning. Like I wasn't interested in what I was learning. I was a, I was a you know, below average student because I just didn't care about what I was being taught. I think that's a big problem with a lot of kids today. Like if they're not interested, they're not going to pay attention or focus, but they are distracted. And I think about another thing in regards to what you were talking about, Chris, in regards to the social media aspect with kids in general, like for me, coping mechanisms were a big issue in my life. I had very poor coping mechanisms. I wanted to escape if I felt uncomfortable when I would start filling that hole with 
all sorts of generic band-aids that just really were very self-destructive for my myself, my mental, my mental state of being, my body, and my mind. But um, coping mechanisms with kids, like I don't think they're going to be able to, to process this stuff. And I think that's why even kids today, the suicide rate for kids is only increased because they they can't process the information that's coming at them so fast. Their brains aren't ready for. It. I mean, just to be honest, our brains aren't ready for it either. Uh, we just we just adapt to it a little bit better. But I, but I think it's a, I think it's a real problem. I think it's not going away. I think there's going to be some major implications in regards to mental health down the road as far as the devices that we uh, are tied to these days. Um, yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, I just sometimes I call this phrase at school sometimes because the school I work out, it's supposed to be phone free. But what it's done by calling it phone free is actually reduce the phone usage. So in a way, it's work, but it is like people, kids bring their phones in. They shouldn't have out and less. And if they get them out and less, you're supposed to take them off them. But sometimes it is absolute warfare to try and get these kids off their phones because the, the more vulnerable they are, the more they're chasing dopamine and looking for that high, the more they're going to be on their phone. It's an absolute disaster. I mean, I've seen it with my own daughter who's been suffering with um, anxiety and depression, and we recently got her diagnosed with it. And it's a real worry, but it's like she she loves going on her phone. But the problem is it, it means that sometimes it's harder for her to engage with people if if your brain is like being wide with with the phone and it's like it's not her fault it's they're made to be addictive i mean the american college professors call it digital cocaine and it's absolutely right it stimulates the same part of the brain as drugs do as video games as sugar does and we you know the problem is you're never going to get to where you need to get constantly doing that it's just like a constant high and maybe like for a certain period of time you can constantly just get high after high after high after high but it's not sustainable the, the better thing is the, a natural, more natural chemical release of like endorphins by doing exercise and other things like, you know, vitamin, get out in the sun, get out in nature, talking to people, those kind of connection things we've always done for like thousands of years, which always work to keep people on even keel. Mobile phones have only come into us like in the last 20 years. So our brains aren't ready for them. They're not wired for them and it's not going to work. Like, and, but I understand like you put children in a stressful situation of going to school, hundreds of kids in a school, you know, you know, you, they said, you know, you put in sets or they're in this set for English and maths and they're in this set and they, but whether this, this person is maybe in the, the lowest set could be the next like fashion designer or next amazing artist, or amazing athlete. But in the meantime, they get, I mean, and it's hard to put it a strong word, but it almost like educational segregation that they're put in these groups. And then they know that like old people are going, oh, they're there in this class and that class. There's places like Finland who have got an evolved education system, like people were calling it as world-class and one of the, the top places that they don't have, they're not set on ability. Like if you're going to set on anything, set on attitude, like attitude is accessible to everybody. Although people with like a dysfunctional background and maybe let down by their, their adults in their life, or maybe had a traumatic event, they maybe don't trust adults. So maybe attitude is like, it can be difficult to access for some people, but I do feel that like that is more likely to be accessible than going, Oh, right. Some people can just do maths. Their dad's an accountant. They are uh, top in the top math set. Well, that's not a surprise, is it? Things like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's um, everybody's sort of struggling, trying to find their way. And interesting what Sean, and I have to mention, um, there's a guy called David R. Hawkins, who is a, he was um, a person in America. He, he run one of the, the big psych, psychiatric, the biggest psychiatric um, uh, practices in America for a number of years. Then he went into starting a, a center for uh, spiritual research. And I, I listened to a lot of his, his videos. He's not alive anymore, but that's one of his key, like, key lines is that the mind thinks, but the spirit knows. Your mind is almost being taught, like brainwashed by society. It's like your perception of things. It's like your experiences, but really that you should need like better off going to your spirit, like that sixth sense, you, the, the things you know when something's right or not right. 
and um and and that was one of his his sort of core the core thing the mind the, the mind thinks but the spirit knows it's like it's trying to tap into that calmness that spirit because sometimes your brain you've been brainwashed another one he used to say was like if you if you don't think you're brain, being brainwashed you've been brainwashed you're not thinking you've been brainwashed <laughs> just, but anyway, it's like trying to every day it goes along with like when it's a new day every day and you just got to try and do the right thing where you can and and just try and be kind and just it's it's difficult though because you're getting everybody's getting pulled in so many different directions. And the more sort of dysfunction you've been through, the harder it is to stare it in the face and still do the right thing. Especially if you feel like you're being judged, and maybe you're in a job that you could be doing better, or you know that you feel like you know you're getting stifled in, or you can't get on with some some coworkers are hard to get on with. I mean, it's I mean you know a lot of people at the moment are struggling with that kind of thing and. And the only really way out of it is just trying to think, how can I help other people? But but that says it's counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. Sorry about that, guys. I got a nice little glitch here. I'm going to fix that in the actual audio. So you're not going to be able to hear any of that. But uh, going back to um, what Chris is talking about, the mind and the spirit and, and kids and the judged i think i think most of our problems come from being judged um because when you're a kid you don't have any um you don't have any inhibitions you know you're curious you you always want to um you know you always, you're always seeking something you don't have anybody telling you that you're overweight or you're too you know you're wearing the wrong clothes or you're just kind of you know you're, you don't have any of that but the older you get you start getting that judgment from the, what, what do you do for money how much money do you make what kind of car do you drive what kind of house do you have like we're always trying to compare ourselves to what the world says is success so chris for you i might ask you what is success for chris syria what does that look like for you i mean i think that that question you'd answer it differently on different days or in the past you definitely answer it differently for me like the way i've like with personally like for me it's just feeling at peace like feeling calm feeling like i'm not agitated that would be success to me because i know that like i've done had a lot of that myself and i was like okay i'm gonna go and on the attack and i'm gonna achieve all these things i'm gonna do this that and the other i'm gonna like you know release all this music have a like be known globally like dj in all these places of play of dj in i'm gonna play sport for like the Isle of man i like play for cricket like for the Isle of man and then a football as well like played the Alaman in two 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 sports which you know international which is not really that done very often I'm gonna like you know do all these things that I'm gonna try and smash out of the park constantly and eventually you sort of realize that you can never there's always a bigger fish like there's always somebody bigger there's always somebody done more than you you can't really like you know there's no point comparing yourself like you've done whatever you've done with your like cars you were given and you you know you try and help other people and really the, the objective of everything is like as I say David Hawkins as well he did these uh, the 101 ways to peace and the, there was like if i can remember the first four i always sort of sort of triple pay like one was getting even one was don't get even don't don't change people don't try and be right and don't judge other people and like it's trying to live to those but obviously in education it's difficult or whatever you're doing because you're you are having to make judgments you are having to try and you want to develop people but sometimes you feel like well they're gonna have to make their own choices like i i mean i i've had to take some re lessons as well quite a lot and, and obviously that touches on Buddhism and other things that I'm like, I've got quite a lot of knowledge in and also like stuff to do with the afterlife and things like that and karma. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, you, at the end of the day, you take a lesson and you like present the information, you give the children the opportunity to do the work. You maybe, you, you try and help them wherever you can, but at the end of the day, a lot of times it's, it, it's on them. They, you can't force them. Like if, if they've got an exam coming up in a month and they decide in that class, they're just going to talk at the back of the class and not do any work. Like I can't, 
the way it is now, when I was at school, you, you probably go, oh, well, you're going to get the cane or the slip or you get screamed at or whatever, <laughs> or you get expelled or you get you suspended or whatever. But now, like, there's almost like there's not that much you can do. And really, it shouldn't be because it is a lot of those things are physical and verbal abuse. But it's like, really, it's like you, you, you can't. It's like, OK, like if you want, you have to face the fact that you have to do this exam in a month. Now, you, you either do some work on it and you prepare yourself because there's a, long, a lot of people say, you know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Or you just sit there and talk and it's fine. Maybe you'll be able to pull it out of your backside and be able to get the result you want. But really, you're asking for trouble. So really, it comes down to like, it's a karma, karma thing, really. You know, like you, you are developing bad karma for yourself if you don't go um, and, and do some work. And it happens to all the karma hits all of us. It'll hit me today. I'll do something. I'll say something in, in here and it'll probably come back to bite me or whatever. And I think, oh, well, I shouldn't have said that. And I'm a hypocrite or whatever. So at the end of the day, everybody has to face up to it. And and uh, David Hawkins talks about divine justice as well. It's like, don't try and, like, you don't try and bring somebody else down. They'll do it to themselves. They'll blow themselves up. If you're, like, in a football team and they go win the Super Bowl or they they, they win, like, the, the division and then they get so cocky going into the playoffs that then they they, they, they lose. Well, the divine justice has hit them. Like, they've got to, you've got to be honest. You've got to be humble. You've got to reduce the ego. But the past is the past. Forget about it. You can take a little bit of confidence from it. But it's to say, you can win the Super Bowl one year. You think, you're the, you, you know, you, they're amazing and you're the world champions. And the next year, you could go six and six and... 10 or whatever the numbers are these days. We're probably uh, 6 and six and 11. I know there's 17-game season now, isn't it? But, you know, it doesn't matter. As soon as, you, as soon as you think you've got it done, that's the time where you're going to not be in the now. You're not going to be honest. You're not going to be humble. And then you do realise it's all a bit of a, a long-tail race anyway. Like, I'd say long-tail because the other man you're not supposed to say rat r-a-t is a long tail <laughs> but i'm in america so maybe i get away with it but um you know and you just find like really we just it doesn't really matter anyway like you, you know as long as you're doing it for the right reasons you're hopefully going to be all right so really success for me these days would be to feel peaceful because it's difficult you know it's never been so difficult We've never been so stimulated by social media tv like your phones, like everything. So many TV channels, so many media channels, so much. It's like, wow, if you could go through all that and still think you're the the, the top of the table, I, I mean, I don't know, you're probably delusional because you, the, all the evidence is saying, well, we're just one of them amongst billions. So you might as well just be humble, help each other people and try to be peaceful. I mean, yeah, I love it, Chris. I love it so much. But I want to touch base on something you said, a couple of things, actually. You know, you said the past. Like, why do you think so many people allow themselves to live in the past without being present? That'll be question number one. And the second question I want to ask you was in regards to you say, man, I wrote it down over here a second ago. I mean, answer the first one while, you, while you're thinking. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the first one about the past. I think because, the you know, you've had a high from it. Like, you know, I'll do it like, oh, you're about to play a sports match or a hockey match, football match or whatever. And then you think about like maybe well it is visualization because I've, I've done it as part of my I did a sports studies and business degree. You know you think about a previous match where you've done, you played really well and that helps offset your nerves. So you think like okay I've got this like I I've done this before I've been in a similar position I performed this skill I this game I scored a hat trick or whatever. So a lot of people I do it like you know you you sort of go off and I think it's can you mentally put it in the right place like be respectful of the fact that lucky that you know I've been lucky to come out to to Charlotte for like you know been coming for twenty years you know, on and off. And like, I managed to play in Charlotte so many times, DJ to come and meet you guys to make music and all this. It's like, it's trying to be respectful and humble about it without clinging, clinging onto it and having an attachment to it. It's like, Oh, wasn't that remember that time where we played that record and it was amazing. I'm like, I'm so thankful for that moment of having, it. instead of we're sort of clinging onto it and wanting it to happen again. And all these, these like quite not, 
precise like or maybe like some inorganic kind of mindset you've got on it and it's like that's why people are stuck in the past because they look at it and go right that was a good time and i enjoyed that and so maybe we need to be thankful and we say a prayer we'll be thankful like when the sports team people like i mean it's for example there's a football team now i'm pretty sure it's aston villa it might be Nottingham Forest. i think it's aston villa well they won the european cup in the late 70s now, like so that's probably 1979 i'm not sure it's like there was three years where aston villa won it once i think and nottingham forest won it twice now that was 1979 so i was born in 77 so two years after i was born now they have got a thing in their in their ground with the commentary of what happened when they scored the goal to win the european cup which is great <laughs> because they're respecting that moment and we'll look what we can achieve but then if you go well that, that was like how long it's like 43 years ago and you're still like clinging on to it like and then this isn't like a negative way of looking if you're still clinging on to like 40 what do you think that does to the current players who are thinking well they've all these this oh look at this guy in the hall of fame of, of whatever team it is it's like we've got to live up to that it's like pressure or it's i mean it depends how your mindset on it but potentially it could weigh down on other on on the players it could mean they're like oh we're stuck in the past and like we don't have, do we have to really earn it today because oh 43 years ago we were european champions and they haven't won it again by the way oh you know <laughs> so- what, what, it goes back to expectation like what what they're like they're looking at the expectation of what they need to accomplish based yeah. upon what happened 43 years yeah, yeah. ago which is i know it I mean, could, could not happen it i mean i'm just happened. saying aston villa sorry to any aston villa fans who are listening there might not be any but um you know it could be any team like you know like we did it like 45 years ago and we're just living on it it's like i yeah, it's probably nice if like we're going to celebrate it, but it's but it, it becomes a bit of a it becomes something around your neck that you can't get rid of. But that's the thing. That's why I answered your question. People like that because it, you know, in a way, it's why in a way I'm still coming here after all these years to see you guys because I know the nice memories we're going to create when we're here. But it, it, which is which is a positive way of doing it. And it's like it's you know you've had a hard few years with various things, and I you know I struggle with, with things as well. So to have us like both together be able to do something like this now and then that creates like thinking there is hope that like out there good things will happen okay if we you know you look in the right direction yeah hope hope is something that we all need chris and uh, you know I, I'm, that, that's why i do this podcast so i can give people hope and i uh, let them realize that their their life is an absolute miracle um and they've been sent here with the purpose that they need to fulfill and most people are living out that purpose and that's my job is to be a simple reminder that your your life matters that you're worth it and that God has a plan for it. All right, Chris, man, this has been good stuff. I, I love, I love having these conversations. I mean, it's just like we were talking, we've been talking like this entire mm. time he's been here guys. And it just is, uh, you know, the, it goes, yeah. you know, I can't thank him enough for uh, giving me some insight into his knowledge in regards to mental health and trauma and music and just, just a perspective, you know, a different perspective that aligns with the space between philosophy. So Chris, Thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. I'll get this on the podcast ASAP and we will see you guys next time on the space between. Yeah. Thank you very much for having us, Sean. That was great. I think we like you hit, hit the spot there with lots of those comments there. So yeah, that was a good one. All right. Cheers. And just like that, another void has been filled in the space between. Hey, listen, you're obviously a podcast listener. You're listening to this podcast, which I appreciate you. Have you ever thought about launching your own? Are you somebody who feels like I've got a message, but I'm not quite clear what it is or who would ever want to hear it. Let's do this. Let's have a conversation. I'll kind of take you behind the scenes of the Space Between podcast, show you how I do it, and worst case scenario, you'll have three really simple steps that you can use right now to understand what your message is and how to get it out there. Go to linkwithshawn.com, S-E-A-N, linkwithshawn.com, book a call, pick a time that works for you, and let's have a conversation about you and your message, all right? We'll see you on the call. 
perfect, perfect. 